Hello, welcome to the Girl and Duck podcast. I'm Jen Storer, acclaimed children's book author and chief inspirationalist, that's not a term I made up, at girlandduck.com, creative writing, creative life. At Girl and Duck, I take you on a journey from exploring the art of kidlit creation right through to mastering the art of kidlit creation. To find out more about the courses and products that I offer, pop over to the website. You're bound to find inspiration and support and something to absolutely love over there. That's www.girlandduck.com. But in the meantime, stick around because we've got lots to talk about. Shuffle, shuffle. Please don't fall over microphone. Um, I've been listening to the lovely uh, Carly Nemo. I really, really enjoy her podcasts. There's one show that she does. She does a few shows. Some are just about podcasting. and but There's another one, Carlosophies, where Carly just talks about herself and her life and what's going on with her. And what I really love and really enjoy about that podcast is that she records herself while she's walking on the beach. So sometimes the wind factor gets a bit, you know, uh, in your face. (laughs) But it's never too bad that you can't listen. She's always sure to edit out any really, really bad bits. But it's really lovely because there's this relaxed tone that comes through and this immediacy of knowing that she's on the beach, being able to hear the background and the occasional person that goes by or dog or the sea or whatever. It's just, it's very, very personal and I really enjoy it. Sadly, I'm not equipped to do that. I don't have a mobile sort of setup yet that I can, that really works. I tried it. I tried to record on the back veranda, but it was very, very hissy because I didn't have a, one of those little duvers that I have here that protect the mic and protect it from all that sound uh, interference and stuff. So I am in my studio today, my writing studio, not my recording studio. I don't have one of those. I was thinking about what this podcast is going to be about and what sort of heading I can give it. And then I realised... It's just going to be a bit of a mishmash. I think the thing that I'm going to talk about mostly today is just some insights into process, some of my writing processes, some of the little things that I do that make writing more enjoyable and more manageable for me, writing novels in particular. particular. So it'll be sort of around processes I also wanted to talk briefly, give you, dear listener, an idea, because especially if you don't, if you don't circulate in the children's literature or kid literature, hear that, the microphone just fell over, the microphone just fell over, lordy, 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 I'll try and put it up properly, I knew that was going to happen, I sensed that was going to happen. If you don't um, move in kidlit circles or children's literature circles, it may not occur to you, but do you know what? A really, really great present to give adults, the adults in your life, is a picture book. 
Picture books are not just for children. Picture books are works of art. They are works of art. They are expressive. They are captivating. They are objects of beauty. And so I regularly give friends of mine, whether they have children or not, whether they're part of the kidlit world or not, particularly if they're not part of the kidlit world, I give them picture books for birthdays and Christmas, all sorts of things, because I want to share my love of this art form with as many people as possible. And picture books are always received with glee. I can tell you now, if you give your friends a picture book, they won't poo-poo it. (laughs) They will be stoked. Spend time choosing the sort of picture book that you're going to give to an adult friend. If possible, go to an indie bookstore or one of the more reputable chains where you can speak to a specialist, a kidlit specialist, and ask for a particular type of picture book or a picture book that you know is going to suit the sort of person that you are going to give it to. Think about the sort of art that they like. Do they like realist art? Do they like whimsy? What sort of thing do they go for in terms of their art, the style that they enjoy, and perhaps work along those lines? Before I had children, before I was even interested in kidlit, I had, I had a friend who, who had children. She was, you know, when you go to school, there's always someone in your group who's first at everything. And this girl was first to get a job, first to let, get a qualification, first to leave school, first to get a motorbike. <gasps> Motorbikes were big when, back in the 70s. Um, first to do lots and lots of things. And she was also, as we got a little bit older, first to have a child, way ahead of all of us. She gave me a picture book for my birthday one year. And I still have it. It's inscribed from her. And I still love it. And I, at the time, I opened it and thought, a picture book? <laughs> but it was very, very, like within seconds, I was loving it. And it has become a treasured, a treasured gift that I have from that time many, many years ago, probably 30 years ago now. And the picture book she gave me was Sandy Beach by Bob Graham. Still in print, still utterly adorable. For those of you who know Bob Graham, you're probably going, oh my God, that book, I love it. For those of you who don't, then I suggest you get out and get yourself a copy of Sandy, of, of greetings from Sandy Beach because it is a classic, and you, when you grab it, you'll know why it's a classic. So I always remembered that experience. I remembered feeling really grateful. I remembered enjoying it, and I remember being inspired by it. And so I have continued that tradition. I have a picture book right now beside me that I'm about to wrap and pop in the post to a girlfriend who is having a birthday very soon, Uh, a Beatrice Alamanga um, picture book, uh, A Line in Paris, which is, it's a work of art and it should be shared around uh, and given as a gift. But there's lots of other picture books that I've also 
bought along the way and given to people, including, of course, my own. But it's not really about that. It's about a personalized picture book that I know is going to really resonate with someone that I love. So I love giving picture books to adults as friends. And again, I often give them to adults who don't have children, who don't have family and who are not involved in that world at all, because I think a picture books are even more of a, an eye opener to people who um, sadly exist in a world without children's literature. <laughs> okay, so that's my little This Writing Life tip for today. The other thing I wanted to say was I've just printed out the first 31,000 words, 31,000 words, hear me, of my, of my latest middle grade novel because I am submitting the first half of it to my publisher next week uh, just to see what she thinks. And because it's at that stage where I'm confident that I can show it to somebody else. Confident but scared shitless, of course. <laughs> But anyway, one of the things that, of course, I always do before I submit anything is print it out and have a look at the hard copy uh, because that gives me a much better bird's eye view of what's going on. I can sit quietly and um, flick through the pages and flick backwards and forth and rearrange things and write notes in the margins, things that you can't do online with on screen. It's too difficult for, for my brain, for my lateral brain anyway, to get a grasp. I need this sort of bird's eye view of a book and I need that tactile experience of holding it in my hand. So I've printed out the first 31,000 words and the other reason that I've done that, apart from wanting to edit and streamline and look at lots of things, is that I one of the things I really love, in, in and it's such a geeky thing because I actually... I actually anticipated doing this today and my stomach flipped. That's how much I love it. <laughs> I love naming my chapters. Now, this is a common thing that we, we do in children's literature, give each chapter a name. It's not, it's, of course, it's not an essential. And it may not even suit the style of book that you're writing. But I do enjoy doing it immensely. It just I don't know. It feels like that final flourish. Uh, it feels like that final stamp. You know, it's like a gen store, a stamp. I put a lot of thought into what I'm going to name each chapter. Occasionally I name chapters and then at the end take them all out, take all those chapter names out. I only keep it in draft form. Uh, I don't even submit it. But it does. it is something that I really enjoy. And I think that it helps me plot. I think that it helps me get a grasp of where the story is heading because every time I name a chapter, I have to think about what is the essence of this chapter and is this chapter working? Is it earning its keep? Does it flow? Does it, is it predictable or is it surprising? Does it help the novel? Does it lift the story? All those sorts of questions. Uh, the answers to those come out when I have to distill my chapter to a little title. So I really, really enjoy doing that. And what I see what I see often happening with me is that when I start writing the book, the first probably five or six, six chapters, the chapter titles come really easily. They become almost automatic. But after a while, as things start to speed up and I get more and more and more immersed in the tangle of the plot, uh, um, I don't have time or I can't think of an appropriate chapter title. And so I just keep moving ahead. And so that's what's happened with this novel so far. I think there's 
I'm not sure, just looking across that, I think there's about 17, oh no, no, I think there's about 20 chapters, 22, there's 22 chapters at the moment, uh, and only about five of them have titles. So I'll be spending the rest of this afternoon sitting quietly with the hard copy of my manuscript, going through and deciding what I'm going to name each chapter. And that will give me this really beautiful bird's eye view of the book and how it's working and, and areas where it may not be working. And it will help me add that extra little bit of spice, that extra flavouring uh, that a really um, quirky chapter title can do. Not that I expect every single chapter title to be, you know, original and quirky, but in the scheme of things, it's nice to have that sort of feeling. It also gives your younger readers that sense of anticipation when they can see the title of the next chapter coming up. That can be a lot of fun for them as well. So think about doing that. Think about naming your chapters, uh, even if it's only in draft form, even if it's only for your own satisfaction, even if you're writing adult fiction and you're never going to use these chapter titles, still use them in draft form because they will help you. It's like labelling your scenes so that you get to really understand each scene uh, because each chapter in, in, in and of itself is a, a, is a little story. And so it's nice for it to have a title and it's good for your brain to be, have that, that bird's eye view of your manuscript. The other thing I really wanted to touch on today too is in terms of process. There are three things, there's probably more, but only three things that I'm going to talk about today. Three things that I feel you can put off when you're writing a novel. You can put these things off until a bit later down the track. One of the things that I can't put off is, is plot intricacies. I have to know where a story is going and I have to be happy with where it's going before I can move forward. I know that some people can push forward and just keep writing and say, I'll go back and fix that, that plot hiccup or that whatever. I can go back and do that, but I can't. But the story will not move forward for me and, until I'm happy with the next step, until I'm happy with where it's actually going. So I will spend a lot of time internally plotting as I'm going, even if I've done a plot in advance. Nine times out of ten when I get inside the story, more exciting and interesting things happen, and so the blueprint sort of becomes a rubbish print. <laughs> And so I spend a lot of time and can't move forward until I'm happy with with where it's headed. And I don't trust myself to be able to go back and fix it if I do take the wrong turn. So I'm very careful about that. But there are three things that I am comfortable with not really rushing through, but not really worrying too much about. about. And those three things are dialogue, humour, and emotion. So what do I mean by that? So I'm comfortable if the dialogue is clunky first time around, second time around, third time around, because I always know that I can go in and tweak the dialogue. I love editing dialogue. I love trimming it. I love making it more interesting. I love giving it more punch. 
I love assessing it and seeing if it's even worth having it there. I love cutting back dialogue if too many people are talking at once, all those kinds of things. I love to, to um, tweak dialogue, tweak and polish dialogue, but I'm happy to do it further down the track. I don't let myself get tangled up in dialogue and worrying about it while I'm in the initial creation process of my, of my story. Likewise with humor, often humor comes automatically as you're writing the story. You just it just happens. It just flows out of you. The characters say funny things. Funny things happen. You get this idea for some really funny little offshoot, uh, and you go ahead and you write it. But again, I'm always confident and comfortable in the knowledge that humor can be inserted later on. H humor can be also be embellished later on during the edits and the rewrites so never worry if there's not much humor in your original uh, drafts because you can put it in later on you can and you're more relaxed later on when you're not in that initial oh my god I've got to get something down when you're not in that phase uh, you're more relaxed and um, you can see things a little bit more clearly and have a little bit more fun and be aware that you're wanting to bring more fun uh, to your manuscript no matter what sort of story you're writing it's always nice to have a little bit of, of comedy or comedy relief or a little bit of humor even if it's dark humor in there somewhere so think about that think about um, going back in and tweaking the humor and emotion weirdly some people will go what but emotion there are many times when I'm writing a scene and in the back of my head, I'm thinking she or he is going to have a lot more to say about this. This she or my character must be feeling quite some very complex feelings right at this time. But you know what? I haven't got time to explore those feelings. I just want to have sort of the bones of what's going on here and keep moving forward with what's actually happening. And then... Later on, again, in the rewrites, I'll go back and I will flesh out the emotional scenes. The emotional scenes might include emotional dialogue between a couple of characters or it might be some sort of internal monologue. But uh, a story that doesn't have that sort of internal monologue can be very, very unsatisfactory, <laughs> not very satisfying to read. And, you know, because readers come to stories to feel that is what they want from your stories. They want to feel something and they feel vicariously via your characters. So your characters must take time. You must take time with your characters to allow them to feel and allow them to express their feelings in the way that they would express them. Again, remembering when we're writing for children, not to give our characters too much insight <laughs> can be a, a big, a big um, problem or a tripping point for a lot of aspiring children's authors is that um, their, their child protagonists are way ahead of the game in terms of their, of their emotional maturity. Not that I'm saying all your characters should be stunted in terms of their emotional insights. And it, indeed, to give them insights is a wonderful gift. But we need to temper that and be aware of that. So again, that thinking about 
holding off with emotion and and writing it separately and coming in or coming in later and embellishing it is a good idea because you're devoted to the emotion you're not trying to do too many things at once which is what we're doing when we're writing there is so much going on when you're writing fiction there are so many balls in the air so it can really pay to take one of those balls out and spend some time just alone with that, looking at it and um, and perfecting it. So they're the three things that I don't panic about if they're wonky in the first couple of drafts that I know I can come back to and fix and embellish and make better and polish. And those three things are dialogue, humour and emotion or emotional responses and emotional reflections and I think I'm about done for today I'll see you back here soon take care thanks for hanging out with me today if you want more ducky goodness pop over to the website www.girlandduck.com or you can find me on Instagram at Jen E. Storer, J-E-N-E-S-T-O-R-E-R. Bye for now.